The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Glad to be back here. Everybody's ho- Oh, no, Bud. You'll be home soon. Bud's still in Nashville at the coaches' convention. Yeah. He's been just, just throwing high fives to the whole West Virginia coaching staff. They're so happy that Bud's dropping all this motivation, all this rat poison, just getting everybody, <laughs> getting everybody ready for the 2024 Happens season. Happens are being made as we speak, I'm sure. Yeah, the cash out requests. We, we, we love to see it. Ah, but uh, order the business for today. A little bit later on, we will be getting into our superlatives for the bowl season. That means the player of the bowl season, the coach of the bowl season, the game, best bowl game of the bowl season, the team of the bowl season. And look, y'all, y'all have done this for long enough. It might be Michigan. It might not. Okay, that's up to our panel. Just because you won the national championship, that's a different award. Bowl of the Bowl season for the Cover 3 Podcast Awards, that's all different. And, of course, the fan favorite, the Fornelli's Bowl season superlatives coming up in just a little bit. Last time we met with you, it was right as the game went triple zeros on the College Football Playoff National Championship, Michigan's win against Washington. Since then, you know we've gotten to hear from both of the teams in the coaches' postgame. DK, you were there on site. And so before we start to you know, roll through the rest of the business of the day, wanted to at least hear from you and see you know, what's sort of still lingering in your head after uh, seeing what Michigan, uh, Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh w- were able to accomplish and you know what it means for that program moving forward. Oh, um, it was pretty amazing. You know, I know there's some nuance to this and we can discuss, you know, is it tainted, all that stuff. But, I mean, for a program that has – you know, that views itself as one of the best programs in college football. And with a thousand wins, winning this program, it's understandable. But I think for a lot of fan bases, you look at them like, well, they haven't won anything. You know, Mm -hmm. they haven't won very much. And it's been since 97, since the last split title, since 48, since the last sole claim to the national championship. 
So I do think even for their fan base, it felt like a vindication. Okay, we we are who we think we are. Um, after the game was pretty cool. Was there for you know hour after the game, and there were still fans lingering. And the majority of the fans, like in the front row, was the players were kind of mulling around. Was thank you, like they're very grateful for this run. I always think that's cool. Um, you know, so I I think it's amazing. It's been an amazing run that they've been on. And I will say the Harbaugh to the NFL conversation. I mean, I don't know if he he's quirky, he's smart, he's calculated. I don't know if a lot of that was just to overshadow the Connor Stallion stuff. But that was really the discussion leading up to and after the game. It wasn't so much about the cheating stuff. It was more about Harbaugh's future. So, But uh, it was pretty unbelievable. It was fun to see. Can we just briefly discuss like how weird it is that like everybody in coaching in the media just like full-on believes he's done? Like I don't have any Jim Harbaugh sources, right? Like I don't have Jim Harbaugh's age. I don't know where he's going or if he's going. But it – it's discussed as if it's like a certainty that he's gone. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I guess I, I don't have enough NFL ties to really know if like there's that level of NFL interest. But it, it just struck me kind of last. This is kind of weird that everybody like not just assumes, but like strongly just was like, yeah, he's done. Okay. That's interesting. Well, I, I think that he sent the bat signal for interest. Like we were saying, he's DTF. He's down to find out. He's down yeah, to have absolutely. that conversation. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into the like the agent side of this, but the NFL insiders that are sourced up with agents are all like, yes. And they even going as far as saying chargers Raiders, like putting a name on it type stuff. And that doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, it's going to end up that way. I mean, we are talking about a head coach who interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings on national signing day. Right. I mean, there, there's a level of, brashness or a brazen attitude towards these kind of flirtations that I think we're a little bit calloused to, but now it's just a matter of something that Tom you've always pointed to is like, all right, we'll see what owner is willing to give Jim Harbaugh everything that he wants. Cause you know, who's got a lot of leverage right now in this Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. He's got leverage with Michigan who is just like, we understand you might go, but please, we'd love to have you back. And he's got leverage now with the NFL having just won a national championship. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I, I think there are many things you have to consider here is that primarily the reason he left San Francisco in the first place was because he lost the power struggle with the general manager at the time, Trent Balky. He wanted more of a say in personnel decisions, didn't have it. So he came back to college for the altruistic reasons of saving his alma mater, which he has now done. But I feel like for him to go back to the NFL – I've always felt he's going to want the player personnel choice making, like you were saying, Chip. But then if you look at college football right now, it's becoming more like the NFL, where now you've not just got to recruit players and bring them in. You've got to keep them from, quote unquote, leaving in free agency. You got to make sure everybody's happy with their salary. He might be looking at what the future of college football is as just being no different than the NFL. So I may as well go back to the NFL, especially now that I've accomplished what I accomplished here. Again, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know that he knows what he's doing yet. I don't know if he's made a decision or if his agent is just out there doing what agents are supposed to do, which is find you job offers to either a give you leverage to get a bigger raise at your current one or just to find you a better job. And I think there's too much been made of the fact that it's Don Yee is his agent who's like an NFL agent. It could just be that it's Tom Brady's agent. I don't know if you know this, but Tom Brady, Jim Harbaugh, they do have a connection. It's a big yellow M. They were both quarterbacks for that school. So there's like more of a connection there. It's not just a sign that, oh, he's definitely going to the NFL. So I don't know what he's doing. I won't be surprised by any choice that he makes. We'll probably find out relatively soon because I do think that and again, like, but you're talking about like coaches thinking that he's gone. It's all coming from the NFL media, like NFL media. I don't, I mean, I don't want to call anybody out here. NFL media very much has like a, uh, we're better than you kind of sense when it comes to college football. Like they think that why would anybody want to stay in college when they can come oh, yeah. to the NFL? So there is that kind of background for a lot of the reporting that goes into this, but NFL teams 
are going to wait to see. Like, you're not going to see the Chargers make a decision until they know what Harbaugh wants to do. You're not going to see the Raiders because he is going to be a very highly sought after candidate. It's just, it's going to have to be the right situation. And at the same time, there are going to be a lot of highly sought after candidates at the NFL in this coaching cycle. Like, I mean, Jordan's crying because Mike Vrabel got fired. Mike Vrabel's going to end up with a job somewhere. He's going to be at the top of a lot of people's boards. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting situation. Like I said, if he goes to the NFL, won't be surprised. If he's back at Michigan next year, won't be surprised. Well, Danny, back to your point about the tainted. It doesn't, the only place that that's in my mind right now isn't more about reviewing what happened. It's more about me trying to project forward because you know, it's one great way to not deal with the NCAA anymore and not have to wonder whether you're going to have another suspension. It's just to go to the NFL. I mean, I think that that's why we see it is because it, it makes too much sense. You just won the national championship. You've overcome all this stuff. And if you don't want to deal with whatever kind of suspension or cases or punishments are coming in 2024, if you don't want to sit on the sideline for another three games and have to do this song and dance, it just timing, timing feels right. Like it's at the common sense uh, department. You know what else is common sense? Not having to work 365 days a year, recruiting players, recruiting your roster, making sure your guys aren't leaving, checking the portal. You know, I mean, we've heard a lot of coaches complain and they want to see change. They want to see structure. The calendar's broken. Bud knows all about that. Haven't been at the coaches' convention. I mean, that was a topic of discussion. Maybe that has like quality of life of coaching right now is way better in the NFL. And level playing field, you know, salary cap, like you're, I mean, it's just, it's a completely different ball game. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, this is a completely different discussion. It's always been challenging, but now that we've got this kind of unknown time period, which who knows how long it's going to last. I'm sure that's something Harbaugh is factoring in too. man. I have to do all this crap and deal with the NCA. And I'm not just talking about the investigations with COVID and cheating. It's the stuff that every coach is dealing with. They're all frustrated by, how and and rightfully so about what a mess this is right now. I mean, to, to Tom's point, we have coaches out there, like big time head coaches, who went and visited less than half of their signees, like for the in home visits for high school. Oh, the like in when like regular yes. season ends, they've got a chance to go do in home visits prior to the tw- December twentieth for the signing day for the high school kids. And you're saying some of the top recruiting programs in the country are choosing to just make that a phone call as a head. Coach. They're like, hey man, we ha- like it is more important for us to stay here and make sure that we don't have roster chaos because everybody can renegotiate their deal uh, every six months, but even but in certain periods every single day. You can renegotiate, you know, so there is a lot of chaos from that aspect right now. It's born because they don't have contracts with the school. They're relying on fans to pay their, the, the the player salaries through these you know collectives. Uh, so, yeah, it is craziness. I, I totally agree with Danny on that point. It It's like that's not a sentence we would have said two years ago or three years ago. Hey, like these coaches aren't going to go visit their prospects in home. That's kind of wild. Mm. Um, same time, though. I'm not yep. saying their complaints aren't valid because I think their complaints are valid. We've known coaches for a long time. They're always bitching about something. Let's <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <It's- laughs> hey, did y'all see Craig? Oh, I guess a bud knows he's there. But how about Craig Bold taking over as uh, the new AFCA executive director? That's a mm-hmm. yeah. That's a, that's a good that's a good spot for him. Yeah, he's he he gets to be the the recipient of all the complaints. Package it together pass it on to where it needs to go. That's uh, that's that's a pretty nice retirement gig for him. Todd Berry, uh, former ULM head coach, has held that down for a long time. Uh, now it will be Craig Bowl, longtime Wyoming and North Dakota State head coach. So one thing that Todd did a good job, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Like in, pre- in previous years, he would have to kind of take the bullets and and, and like with the questions over stuff that was really beyond his control. And, and uh, I, I thought he was pretty good in that role, actually. Well, that's why you've got to have somebody that is going to have the respect of all the coaches, right? It's got to be somebody that's just like tried and true. And and Craig Bowl, like that guy, that guy is cut from football cloth um, 100%. So one of the things that we are monitoring right now, um, for those of you who are, are not up to date with the calendar, our NFL draft deadline is coming up next week. 
So most of these announcements we did get either going into the bowl game, but now especially for the college football playoff teams, uh, we are starting to get more news in terms of who's going pro, who's not. What I don't have right now is a great feel for where Michigan is at. So before we do our big time, you know, like re-ranking, set it for the first time, I definitely want to hear from a J.J. McCarthy, from a Donovan Edwards, you know, from some of these key players in terms of what their plans are. But in the last couple of days, I mean, we have heard from Jalen Polk, uh, the Washington wide receiver. He's off to the NFL draft. Uh, A.D. Mitchell off to the NFL draft. And uh, our, our good friend Trey Scott, 24-7 Sports, mm-hmm. passing along this note yesterday. Texas is losing five leading receivers from the 2023 NFL draft. That would be Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, and, of course, Jonathan Brooks, the running back. That quintet accounted for 76.3% of Texas's receptions and 80% of its touchdown catches. So uh, I, Texas reloading on offense, you know, even as we are looking at that quarterback room as one of the better in the entire country, that one sure seemed notable. Just curious to see if there were any recent NFL draft declarations that stood out to y'all. Do you guys have a good tracker for this? Like, what what is what what site does CBS do, do one? Like, if so, then let, let's plug CBS. If not, like, what site has like the most like here's who went in today, so I can kind of update stuff. So CBSSports.com has an excellent underclassmen draft tracker, but as um, right. you know, some the the effort that it goes to try to keep that up to date is a lot, including trying to define what is an underclassman. Which in 2023 and 2024 is a little bit difficult to figure out um, what to do right there. Yeah. So, um, in, any other ones stand out to y'all? The thicker kicker is gone. Oh, Harrison. Harrison Mevis. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I mean, Mizzou coming off a huge year. That's like huge loss. I don't know. I mean, he he did win them the game against Kansas State. Got him a lot of points. Just saying, it's a big loss. Mizzou's done a lot of excellent work this offseason, but does losing the thicker kicker negate all of it? Am I reverse body shaming if I named that one of the 20 best moments of the season? No. No, why would that be body shaming? I said We named named it our game of September, didn't we? I said reverse, where it was like, am I I overcompensating for the fact that it's it's like body uh, positivity? Yes, (laughs) all in on body positivity. Okay. We love all Um, shapes and sizes. I thought Mason Smith going in for LSU was kind of notable. Defensive lineman, yeah. He kind of came on down the stretch a little bit at times and I thought was playing better than he did in in the beginning part of the season. Um, And so I can't imagine he's going to be drafted crazy highly because he hasn't proved a lot in college yet. Uh, Nice first year, then he got hurt. Um, So – and they already lose Wingo. That seems notable uh, for a defense that struggled this year. So I guess we'll see what they do in the portal to replace those guys. That'll be uh, our new defensive coordinator hire. That'll be his job. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. That's right. So uh, again, we'll be uh, keeping track on all those. It'll play a big role in terms of what our expected rosters and depth charts are going to look like in the future. Coming up on the other side. We had at like midnight or 1 a.m. on Monday night, the AP Top 25 dropped. Then on Tuesday, the coaches poll dropped. Then on Wednesday, the new CBS Sports 133 released its final rankings. So what does that mean? That means one more time, one more time for the 2023-24 season. We got to check in with the poll assassin. That and our superlatives next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. 
Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. So the, ah, let's call for it because we have incredible animation. We like to take a look at the latest of the rankings and see if there's anything that stands out. Anything we've got questions about, we call it Bull Assassin. All right, Noel boys, we got to start here. Florida State at number six. Tied for number six with Oregon in the AP top 25 final voting solo number six in the coaches poll number five in the CBS sports 133 Danny what's mm. up with this disrespect so people don't like Florida State mm. personally and I think it plays out in a lot that comes out um coverage of the Seminoles uh, who, who are these people out? who don't like Florida State? Oh, I could give you a laundry list. Let's let's hear them. And I, they would never admit let's, to it. Let's save it and do it. Do the full segment on it later. Yeah, I, yeah. I, we, we can get eight minutes on that easy. Wait, and so I, I Florida, Florida, Georgia, Miami. It's no, a no, conspiracy, no, Chip. It's a conspiracy I'm, against Florida no, State. No, 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 no. I'm saying people that matter, and I don't think Florida State fans do themselves any favors. I mean, there was an article written. Multiple people ran with the story that Bill Hancock had to hire security for every committee member because there were death threats from Florida State fans. Oh, they I mean, notified that was, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Right. So, I mean, it's it's not – and I I would question how many of those people actually went to Florida State. I think it's a lunatic fringe. I don't think anybody would say any of that's acceptable. Um, it's ridiculous. But – I mean, I talked to a lot of like because I would I would ask I me mean, I was in I, I said hi to a lot of former friends and colleagues that covered Florida State like hey and like at first it was hey can't believe what happened and then it was whoa your fans got to tell them to chill out which I would absolutely do that but I think all of it combined I mean didn't Feinbaum who again I'm not taking him as a person that I respect many of their opinions. But wasn't he the one that said, hey, it's no secret that no one likes Florida State and that because of them rattling the cages about the ACC leaving the conference for the past year, you know, they've been one that's been very more vocal and been brash, that that hasn't done them a lot of goodwill. So I think absolutely if you're a voter that's voting on a top 25, you're like, ha, serve those guys. They got smoked. Let's put them down. Let's ding them for it. I. I don't think there's a, gr a grand conspiracy against Florida State. Uh, I Same. did get a huge chuckle out of the idea that Alabama fans uh, would not do the mean emails that Florida State fans had. I'm like, didn't y'all have somebody who literally poisoned Auburn's historic tree? Haven't y'all had multiple murders to get rid of in like New York Post over arguments over football games? So, yeah, not totally buying that. Like, it's, it's really life or death for those folks. Uh, literally, in some cases, for Auburn fans, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of silly. Look, it, it, if you want to hire security, hire security, right? It, it's, it's CYA all the time if you work for a big corporation, so probably just smart to do. I did get a chuckle out of the, uh, the coaches who voted for yes. State the, the right. worst. Good. I was going to bring this up. Why does Ken Wilson – You know what? Most of these guys absolutely <laughs> suck at their jobs, right? <laughs> uh, more than half of the dudes in McMurphy's tweet who uh, – uh, who voted them the, the worst, uh, they're fired. And a couple more are lame ducks who all the other coaches at the commission are assuming their jobs are going to open. So I don't know what it is about, like, coaches who just got fired really hating on uh, on Florida State. Like, that is a notable thing. Ken Wilson, gone. Dana Demmel just got gone. fired. Or did he retire? Yeah. Maybe Dana okay. listens to the show and heard us bitching about him all year. <laughs> 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 He's like, you know what? These knolls. <laughs> 
Yeah. Again, all right. So let, let me provide Anna some Gonzalez, So this, but this is ridiculous. Ken Wilson. Billy Napier, not yet. Okay. But look, Ken uh, Wilson has him at Terry twelve. Bowden. That is bananas. Twelve yes. is a disrespectful like IDGAF ranking. That team went thirteen and one, and they got beat by sixty <laughs> in the Orange Bowl. They did. But they won thirteen games. Well, the team that went thirteen and zero didn't really get beat in the Orange Bowl. Do I, does that like matter? Name, but I think yeah. that played a role in it too. Yeah, yeah like, sure. I think if you're, I think if you're a coach, if you're a coach, and you're looking at how that ended, you're like, man, that's. Well, we'll have more on that in the Fernelli's. The uh, the coaches who just got fired because they couldn't even make a bowl definitely would have got all their players to play in the in a meaningless bowl game. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. So anyway, no, I, I, I don't think a lot of coaches watch well, a lot of other games outside their conference or their opponents. And when it's bowl season, maybe they do get a chance to flip it on. And they're saying, huh, how the heck was this Florida State team? Oh, they yeah. I'm not joking either. I don't think they watch, pay attention, and that could be influenced there. So Danny Gonzalez, as you mentioned, New Mexico, that's another example. But Mark Stoops, the head coach at Kentucky, somebody who, you know, like, was, was Mark Stoops ever na- named as a candidate or at least thought of as a potential Florida State uh, head coach? People, I remember his name coming up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, it was around the administration. Yeah, he, they, yeah, he's got him at number 10. Kyle Whittingham has Florida State at number 10. That's right. But that's not the real blood on the hands, okay? Terry Bowden putting <laughs> Florida State at number nine. Hey, daddy, wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Terry Bowden's been fired for a month, right? Like, or, or is he still like, like? Are we sure Terry Bowden turned this in, or does SID just like like, like Christmas tree this thing? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Your name's by it, Terry. Come on. <laughs> on a couple of these guys, I always kind of wonder, like, okay, who did they try to prop up who they beat? So they can be like, oh, we beat a team that finished, you know, top whatever, right? Like, who did Kentucky beat to where Mark Stoops has them? You see what I'm, see what I'm going with this? Uh-huh. Like, some of these guys, they didn't beat anybody. Ken Wilson didn't beat a damn thing. You know, neither did Dan Demel. But, like, so Mark Stoops had Missouri and Ole Miss ahead of Florida State. Two teams that uh, that are in that league, yeah. Kentucky lost to Missouri, so that it looks a little better when multiple of your losses are to uh, to top ten teams. Um, not that those teams didn't deserve to be in the top ten, certainly. Who else we got here? Billy Jeff Napier. Trailer, they didn't beat anybody. Would be again. Who's coaching Florida in twenty four? I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd lay a good dollar that it's not Billy Napier. Um, again, what about CBS uh, Adam at five? Whittingham. A lot of it is I I, I don't know. Um, who did? All right, so Whittingham got Arizona in there at eleventh. Okay, so that's pretty high, but not ahead of FSU. Oh no, my we had him. At Whittingham six. also had Texas Texas eighth. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like we're dropping you to eighth because you lost a playoff game. To be by fair, one score? In, in my ratings, Texas was seventh before the playoff. <laughs> I mean, we got Alabama was eighth. He has Alabama seventh. Yeah. Is Ken Wilson? This is kind of a nutty ballot by, by Whittingham. <coughs> oh, oh he has Oregon fourth. Okay, there it is. Okay. Uh, there lost, okay. One of our losses by Whittingham voted for him. Mm-hmm. Lost to a top four team in the final rankings. Okay, Fig- figured it out. All right. Well, now we know that he'll be propping up Kansas State and Kansas as Utah makes its move on to the Big 12. Um, yeah, just uh, – just some so, some interesting ballots there from some of our coaches. Again, the coaches' ballots are only revealed at the beginning and at the end. All mm-hmm. the midseason ones are not revealed, so it's our only time to look at it. AP voters, they have to deal with us all year long in poll attack or in excuse me, not Gary Parrish's poll attacks, uh, former <laughs> column, but in poll assassin. Shout out yeah. to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Go there for all of your college hoops. Fixes. Do we at least want to mention Georgia finishing ahead of Alabama? Oh, yeah. Well, games have to matter, right? Hey, if they, if, but if they faced off on a neutral field, Georgia would still be favored. I'm just saying. It's, Isn't that what they tell us? <clears throat> I just think it's funny because, like, Texas sits at three, even though it has two losses ahead of Georgia. But Alabama with two losses falls behind the Georgia team that it beat. So it's like, I don't know why the voters were more punishing of Alabama. I feel like that is the exact opposite end of the spectrum of what we just talked about with Florida State. 
with the coaches. There are plenty of media people who were pissed off about Alabama being in the playoff, and they punished them for it too. Whittingham, oh, by the way, Whittingham snuck Northwestern in at 24. Hell yeah. Of course he did. I love this guy's ballot. This is, this is just absolute. Uh, but he didn't have Utah in there. So he didn't vote for he didn't vote his own team in. Rat poison. Yeah. <laughs> Who else does he have in here? Okay. Left Liberty in. Two lanes in. Uh, Iowa at 19. Okay. Clemson 18. This is, it's an interesting ballot. Okay. All right. Um, one quick. We, I, I don't have a a lot of portal action to to break down in terms of like a a huge segment, but certainly this was something that um, was was worth noting because you know we looked at you know UNLV uh, redshirt freshman quarterback uh, Jordan Jordan Mayava as a very talented prospect, somebody with three years of eligibility left after a strong season at uh, UNLV. And, you know, initial reports indicated that he'd be headed to Georgia, which, you know, you know that you've already got, you know, Carson Beck's going to have things locked down. You've got Gunnar Stockton. You've got Ryan Puglisi. But, you know, you've, if you add Mayava to the mix, then, hey, you know what? That's, that's another solid piece for your future. Then, shortly after we believe that Georgia's got this thing locked down, a late pitch from Lincoln Riley and USC that uh, has Mayava's father telling ESPN that he will be headed to the Trojans. Um, but do you think that we see Jordan Mayava competing with Miller Moss in a significant way for QB1 snaps in 2024? I do. Um, Miller Moss looked really good in the bowl game, but Jordan Mayava looked really good for most of the season after he took over the starting role, uh, which I believe happened against Vandy, I think. Uh, like he started playing and, and and then never gave the job back. So, uh, yeah, I think he will compete. I mean, there is some chance that Miller Moss has really elevated himself and will be like an elite quarterback. That's probably why USC bowed out of like the Will Howard sweepstakes. But I'm not completely sold on Miller Moss, right? Uh, he didn't play hardly at all this year. The last time we saw him before this game, he – really did not look very good at all against a terrible Colorado team in 2022. Like that, that's sort of my, my last memory of him. So uh, now if Miller Moss has an intrinsic ability to get every defense that he plays, like through some magic or trick or whatever, to defend some of these downfield screens like Liberty did, then I think he will win the job going away. But failing that, I, I think it'll be a competition. What do y'all, it's any, also uh, kind of non-threat, non-threatening, right, to the what? room. USC, Mayala, yeah. Okay. Man, I, <clears throat> I think it'll be an open competition. I also think it says a lot about the quarterback transfer portal this year. Oh, it's Jaden. Sorry, that's my fault from the doc. My bad, yeah. Jordan. Who'd you call him? Jordan. Jordan. Um, I was thinking oh, yeah. about producer, producer Jordan. Jordan. You know, yeah. yeah. I I do think that the biggest the bigger takeaway for me isn't the competition at USC, but it's kind of what you touched on, like USC passing on Will Howard, and then seeing Mayava was going to Georgia and then making a late push for him. Like, I just think that gives you an idea of what's been available in the portal this year, at quarterback compared to some more recent years. And that USC is, has to replace Caleb Williams and it's going to the big 10 and it's going to choose between Miller Moss and Mayava and maybe somebody else who's a late addition. I don't know. When, when, are we past the deadline yet? Not to join, but to enter. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe and there's a late Washington. Washington and, and Michigan can still enter. Mm -hmm. So maybe well, we, know, we already know JJ that McCarthy, uh, the USC. There we go. No. Well, we, Alex Orgy. That's about it because we already yeah, know yeah. that um, Dylan Morris is going to James Madison. Mm -hmm. Washington had that interesting thing on the sideline where they had um, suited up in pads backup quarterback Dylan Morris, who after the game was leaving to go to Lynchburg, Virginia to play for James Madison, while also on the sideline in a uniform, not in pads, was Will Rogers, who's going to be a part of the team in 2024. Just sort of, uh, that's, that's college football future right there in terms of the a, a barge 11, there's another spring portal window, right? There is. Yeah. But I, with, with quarterbacks, they very much prefer to get these guys in in January than in the spring. Yeah, the most notable quarterback that we saw make that move got one chance and never saw the field, Ty Buckner. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Coming up on the other side, the 
postseason has come to a close. That means it is time for us to give out our cover three superlatives. The player of the bowl season, the coach of the bowl season, the game of the bowl season, the team of the bowl season, and of course, yeah, James Madison's in Harrisonburg, Liberty's in Lynchburg. The Fernellis, next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects, one subscription gets you everything with IXL Learning, and all the kids in your home work off once from pre-K to 12th grade. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com IXLAV. Visit IXL.com IXLAV to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Back here on the Cover 3 Podcast, and I would like to... We'd like to welcome everybody to the Cover 3 Podcast Superlatives Postseason Edition. We'll be handing out some awards here for the most brilliant or impactful or notable performances from the bowl season. As always, we'd like to thank all of you in the Cover 3 tailgate for not just being able to come and attend this brilliant award show, but also for helping make us a finalist for the best American football podcast category in the sports podcast awards. That's right. We're handing out some hardware, but we want to bring it home as well to, to help us win for the best American football podcast category in the sports podcast awards. Please scan that QR code on your screen. The whole process should only take you about 30 seconds. The cover three tailgate got us here. And if you're listening, we've got a link in the episode description. If you're watching, there's also a link in the episode description as well if you don't want to hit that QR code. All right, let's get things started. We're going to toss out some nominations. We will deliberate as a group, and then we will hand out the award. So for the player of the bowl season, Danny Cannell, who are some of your nominees? Uh, I think it's easy. Um you do have an advantage when you play in two games, but I'm going to go with Blake Corum, Michigan running back. Um, if there was a mop, it'd be him. Um, it He had the, the game against Bama where he had two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. And then, of course, the game that we saw the other night where he went for 134 and two rushing touchdowns. I thought he was the identity. He was the... He was the guy for Michigan all season long, and I thought it was on display uh, there on the biggest stage. So I think it's pretty easy. I think it's Blake Corm. I don't know. I don't know. I think that you going. You going, Grant? No, 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 no. I've I've got a couple of uh, a couple quarterbacks that started as the backups and okay, got their yeah. number called and delivered. I think Nico Iamaliava was. Phenomenal in a way where the stat line, I mean, the stat line, I like, was going to say, in line, a way, where was it? In a way that it gives you a lot of encouragement and creates a lot of buzz. It has people thinking differently about Tennessee. Tennessee only had two wins against bowl teams going into that Iowa game. I get it. It was a quality loss ass team. And they go in with their backup quarterback and they win 35 to nothing. I also think USC's Miller Moss is a player who, just based on their performance, a record-setting one in a bowl game, 
you know, I think that that's uh, those are some things worth consideration. I knew we'd be fighting against some playoff contenders, but if we're talking about the player of the bowl season, I I would say Moss and uh, Iamaliava at least deserve to be mentioned in the conversation. Of this course, man. Jordan's in there bashing Blake Corum, <laughs> trying to make the case for Nico. <laughs> My goodness. Chip's out here praising these backup QBs, and he doesn't even name the QB who didn't start the game but balled out and led his team to a 35-point comeback. Western Kentucky's Caden Veltkamp coming in to replace the coach's boy who was pooping his pants. He comes out there and throws 383 yards, rushes for 53, scores five touchdowns, and leads the largest bowl comeback in history. He's one of my nominees. Yeah, I thought he was the clear one. They, he mm-hmm. was in the portal because they wanted to move him to tight end. They were starting the coach's son, who was terrible. And they're like, all right, well, this is really embarrassing, so we're going to have to put in this kid who thinks a tight end. He throws for, what, 370? Yeah, mm-hmm. and rushes for 50. Yep. In a half. Mm-hmm. He threw for like 10 yards a minute. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, that's yeah. the most efficient bowl performance I've ever seen. Now, it does make me a little skeptical on his West Kentucky coaching staff that they thought this guy needed to play tight end. <laughs> Apparently, he's the strength coach's son. So, what award is more valuable, player of the bowl season or player of the spring games? <laughs> player of the bowl season because the stats count. That's true. Not for all of us. Not for us to play before. Not for you dinosaurs, but for the, for the kids in. these days. Um, my games didn't happen, apparently. <clears throat> my my vote will be for Veltkamp, but I will mention a couple other guys. Uh, Jason Bean threw for 450 and six touchdowns. Of course, he also threw for three interceptions, which helped keep UNLV in that game. Another backup getting a start. Ohio running back Ricky Hunt, 133 total yards, four touchdowns. Isaac Garendo, Louisville's running back, 203 yards, three touchdowns. Louisiana Raging Cajuns corner Jalen Clark, a pick six and a scoop and score in the same game. And then Texas State linebacker Brian Holloway, who had two pick sixes in Texas State's bowl game. All right, we got a vote. What are, uh, camp. Velt Camp? Velt Camp. Velt Camp. Sorry, Danny. This ain't no lame stream award show. Touchdown, Vulture Blake Corum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. There we go. Congratulations to Western Kentucky freshman quarterback Caden Veltkamp, 6'6, 235. That ain't a tight end. That's an award winning quarterback. You are the player of the bowl season. Congratulations. Uh, all right, let's go to coach of the bowl season. Danny, you'll get first word here. Easy. Trooper Taylor. No. <laughs> Kirby Smart. Duh. Oh. I mean, they got slighted too. His players could have hung it up. He did have Brock Bowers opted out, getting healthy. He had he had a laundry list too. Kept him motivated. Beat Florida State handily. By how much? And took the high road because where he really won this award was in the press conference after the game when he said that wasn't the same team that we saw all season long. We need to fix this. Kirby Smart, hands down, coach the bowl season. Coaches win, great coaches cover, and Kirby Smart covered all numbers, all alt numbers. Even the alts <laughs> after the line had moved by 10. So if you had a couple of FanDuel accounts and you were peppering some of those Georgia by 45-plus at 10 to 1, still cashed. So Kirby Smart, agreement. And I said Kamari. There's nothing that you can gain from being in this bowl game. But that's the kind of player he is. He came into my office. He got a one-two. Y'all know what that means? A one-two, first, second round grade. I'm cool with Kirby Smart. I, I, I was kidding, but not kidding. I had Duke interim coach Tripper Taylor. He had no Riley Leonard. He had a skeleton staff, and they beat the Sun Belt champion Troy Trojans in the bowl game. That's, that's a level of like focus and motivation. I also had Greg Schiano. You just beat you. You beat your old squad. You know Miami came to town and and you handed them an L. So I I thought that they were at least worth some uh, some mentions as a candidate. But I like I think that I'll throw my support behind Kirby Smart when it comes to the final vote. Uh, I'm cool, Kirby. I'm also going to nominate Jim Harbaugh. He he won a national title. 
and uh, he beat Nick Saban to get there. And then he spread communist propaganda at every press conference he was at talking about paying all the players. And then I also, Neil Brown, <clears throat> just, it's it's not really, I, I nominated him. I don't expect him to win. I'm not even going to vote for him to win. But just the overall season narrative of where he began the year to ending it with mayonnaise dumped on his head as West Virginia won a bowl game and is heading into the next season with some momentum. I feel like that's a... It's a fitting end in that the coach that was supposed to be fired gets rewarded with a bucket of mayonnaise on the head. Just it's it's fitting. Yeah. All right, so we want to do uh, we we, we want to go with Kirby Smart. Yeah, I'll go Kirby. All right, Smart. congratulations with the Cover Three Podcast, Coach of the Bowl Season, Georgia Head Coach Kirby Smart. Okay, what about? the game of the bowl season is it just, I, I i don't think the rose bowl should just be able to dance its way all the way to the finish line here okay good good, good. ugly all right wow. it was great theater at the end they, was that it, doesn't it, make a game good that was i know that's that's the nfl nfl thinks everything's a great game if it has a great finish it's a great secret of that of that league just have a slog 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 awesome final four minutes why was that game bad? No, I was. I, I said there wasn't was seven. Because there wasn't seven steps. points scored. No, no I didn't. I did wonders. not believe. I did not believe that there was an excellence um, displayed through a portion of that third quarter. It's oh, like football. Yes. So, is there not blunders when a team's giving up thirty-eight points and blowing a lead in the fourth quarter? I, I'm just saying, all these games. I'm waiting to see what games you guys nominate. I'll point out how perfectly they were played. No, I just said it shouldn't dance its way to the finish line. <clears throat> it should. It was the best game of the bowl season. It had the highest stakes. It was in the best setting, and it had the most dramatic ending. And those blunders and those when? mistakes made the game more fun. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in college football, there tends to be like blunders and mistakes. Uh, I'll go games that matter. What's more... Where does it produce more bad blood than ACC versus SEC when you've got the Clemson Tigers versus the Kentucky Wildcats coming down to the wire, both starting quarterbacks playing, one running back playing who ran all over a lot of teams this year in the SEC, and then you've got a another guy, Phil Moffa, steps up with four rushing touchdowns in the absence of Will Shipley coming down to the wire back and forth give me the gator bowl clemson over kentucky it was carter who had like two picks in that game right barrett Carter. i mean clemson's defense was doing a lot yeah. to help themselves i i think the gator bowl was a lot of fun the swings in that game were very very dramatic and very fun i didn't hear anybody say pop tarts bowl no oh, that wasn't the greatest game. awards now yeah i thought pop tarts bowl was good I thought it was distracting. I do not remember. <laughs> I think I think everything about the Pop Tarts Bowl was distracting. I, just, I mean, I can't. Tom, Tom, you 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 were on the forefront of <clears throat> showing showcasing the the highlights of the Pop Tarts Bowl and what it means for our society. Um, I, I had I just wanted, I did not nominate the Pop Tarts Bowl, but that wasn't a great game. It was just a lot of stupid fun. Gator Bowl was one of my nominees, but I'm not surprised that the one bowl game in which an ACC team beat an SEC team, Danny thought that was the best bowl game of the, the season. Seven and five so on the season. Yeah. Seven and five on the season. <laughs> and then I would also nominate the New Orleans Bowl, which was Jacksonville State 34, Louisiana 31 in overtime. Because just in case you missed it, it was like the first or second bowl game played. I remember it was on the opening day. Um, Louisiana scored three defensive touchdowns in the game. Jacksonville State's starting quarterback got hurt. He goes out. Logan Smothers comes in to replace him. He gets hurt. So then Zion Webb, the original starting quarterback, has to come back in the game, even though he's probably about 70% to play again. And the team that gave up three defensive touchdowns and had two injured quarterbacks won the game. It was just a really good bowl game filled with blunders and mistakes and fun. But it wasn't as good as the Rose Bowl, which was the best bowl game of the season. No love for the Alamo Bowl? No, it wasn't I really, really enough drama. 
I mean, Oklahoma came back. Did they? I think they took the lead or came really close to it. Like they were for like the final forty minutes of the game. Is like, oh wow, Oklahoma is like way more athletic than Arizona is, which maybe is not a surprise. But it's like, oh wow, six turnovers. That's it. Was just sort of, will they do it? No, another turnover. I I thought it was good. Uh, that whole day of bowl games, by the way, that was the best day of bowls, right? The the twenty eighth. So we had. Pop-Tarts, we had the bad boy Mowers, Rutgers, Miami in a baseball stadium in, in, a, in, a, in a hurricane. Uh, same weather system with uh, Boston College and SMU. I thought that was pretty good. I, the, Alamo, the problem with the Alamo Bowl was like it was there was no drama because Arizona just completely boat raced them in the fourth quarter. Right. Like the first three quarters were close, and then yeah. Arizona outscored them seventeen to nothing in the fourth quarter. So there was absolutely no drama. At the it was end. like right as Oklahoma got the lead, Arizona <clears> hit <throat> the gas. It's like a college basketball game. It was a game of runs. <laughs> it was Arizona, <laughs> Oklahoma, and then Arizona. Um, uh, t- Tom, is the does first responder bowl make us uh, an appearance in the Fernellis? <sighs> Which one was the first responder? I, I just I don't want to steal any thunder from the Fernellis. It's not the best bowl game. It was Texas State forty five, Rice twenty one. But the Fernellis feature the worst bowl of the season. Mm, uh, kind of. The in game reporting, the live by the live play by play of which sections had beer as oh, SMU yeah. Stadium <laughs> slowly got drank out of beer by Texas State fans was incredible. I mean, we were just getting like updates from the reporters who were on site, like 103 and 109 still have Miller lights. And then they be like, oh, we're all out at 109. So congratulations to, um, let's see, roughly five minutes into the third quarter, vendors report they ran out of alcohol. All of Gerald Ford Stadium was drunk dry by Texas State and Rice. Not the best bowl game on the field, but certainly thrilling to follow the action in the concourse. All right. Rose Bowl. <coughs> Rose Bowl. Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Put it in there. Buddy, you good with Rose Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think it was super well played, but it was, uh, you know, it was intriguing. Okay. All right. So congratulations. This is for history. Okay. Congratulations to the Rose Bowl. The, the game of bowl season. All right, and finally, what team best represents the 2023-2024 bowl season? Who will be the team of bowl season? Easy. LSU. Florida State. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Who has been more at the center of the conversation from the day the bowl games were announced? Who has commanded more of our attention from Selection Sunday all the way to the conclusion of their game? They've been right at the middle of the conversation. That's true. true. The conspiracy, if you will. I'll go. My team, Northwestern. Finishing it off one eleven to cap it off eight and five versus versus a back to back Pac twelve champion Utah. It was vintage Northwestern, vintage Utah, if you will. Low scoring, a lot of defense. Ben Bryant, two touchdown passes. David Braun named permanent head coach. That's what bowl season's supposed to be about. Those players felt it was a reward. They loved playing in Las Vegas, the trip, all of it. Northwestern team of the bowl season for me. Can't imagine a team having a like a turnaround from one and eleven going to a bowl game. Like you don't see that anywhere. You know, some teams go from one to eleven to three and nine, and they get freaking. <laughs> yeah. I did have Alex Golish and UC, uh, USF there, although I was in Boca for the Boca Bowl. The effort put forth in shutting down a tight end playing quarterback doesn't quite resonate as much <coughs> as it did for Northwestern. Some teams failed to shut him down, by the way. That's yeah. true, they did. Uh, yeah, Northwestern, I think, is a worthy nominee. I would also, I was, South Florida was somebody I was considering, but at the end of the day, guys, like 
a lot of teams won one game. Only one team won two. Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So, because we still got to get to the front. But do you have any protests? I mean, the, the national team. No, I, I think Michigan or Northwestern are fine. Um, Big 10, once again, dominating. Virginia Tech, shout out. Yeah. You fumbled the ball nine times and won a football game. That was a great game. It was a, it was a great, great effort by Brent Prize crew. But our team of the bowl season, the national champions, the Michigan Wolverines. And now, Tom, everyone's favorite, the Fernellis. Let's hear it. All right. Uh, I beg for your patience because I'm going to have to talk a lot here over the next couple minutes, and I don't know if I'll be able to get through it. <clears throat> I'll start with the overblown narrative of bowl season, and it goes back to our coach of the bowl season, Kirby Smart, for his speech after beating Florida State by 60 or the dying remnants of what Florida State was by 60 points. We don't need to fix anything, Kirby. What you played was an outlier. There are not a bunch of bowl games filled with teams missing their entire roster because they're protesting the game and just opting out of the game. And the entire opt-out thing has been so overplayed, I feel, because of Florida State getting all that attention. If you look at all the other New Year's Six Bowls, yes, some teams had opt-outs. Most of them were damn near full strength. And I feel like we're creating a situation or a narrative where we need to fix something. And to me, this sport has a lot of problems that need to be improved. But constantly saying we need to fix stuff when it's not broken has led to a lot of these problems. So when Kirby says something like that and we're all like, yeah, way to say it, blah, 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 we got to fix this. No, there's nothing to fix. All right. Florida State was a, you know, an outlier, which brings me to my next one. Cowards of the bowl season, Florida State. I get it. You were sad. You were angry. You should have been in the playoff. I'm there with you. I said it all along. And why did we name Kirby coach of the bowl season? Because he kept his team motivated, rallied to play, to go prove a damn point. You had the same chance to do it. You could have gone to the Orange Bowl. You could have beaten Georgia or at least kept it close. I know it would have been difficult without Jordan Travis, but you could have tried. Instead, you tucked your tail between your legs and you ran home to your mom and cried. You're cowards and you should be ashamed of what you did. You should have played in the damn game. Ritualistic sacrifice of the bowl season, the Pop-Tart. Listen, we like to think of ourselves as being evolved. Like we look back to ancient civilizations who committed sacrifices all the time and think, wow, savages. But then you see our reaction to the Pop-Tart, which may not have been an actual sacrifice, but the way we respond to it, I don't know if we've come as far as we like to think we have. <laughs> Diss track what? of the month. Hold on, what or, were they chanting before he went down into the toaster? Toaster, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, uh, like, <laughs> my, <laughs> we haven't changed that much over the last thousands of years. Um, the diss track of the bowl season goes to Jerry Kill for his performance following the New Mexico Bowl, just going after New Mexico's athletic director. Then talking about how you know he does, he'll be drinking margaritas on the beach, and now he is. So congratulations, Jerry Kill. That was a great speech. Um, the biggest helmet of the month, Liberty quarterback Caden Salter. Did you guys ever see the movie Mars Attacks? Yeah. Caden Salter came out there looking like the Martians in Mars Attacks. What the hell was like? He's got the helmet on top of the uh, balaclava. Bro, you were playing indoors in Arizona. What the hell do you need a balaclava on for? Like, it was the air conditioning turned too low? I, it was... <laughs> It was a brilliant move to enter the portal to get paid because Liberty needs you. But that you just, bro, I'm just saying you you dress like that for a game. I don't know if I could take you seriously. So you, you need is to it, think that through. Is it growing? Like Barry Bonds, <laughs> like hat got bigger every year. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. And then uh, finally, <clears throat> the two-time COVID haver of the bowl season award goes to me. The dumbass who got COVID, beat COVID, was clear for four days and then got COVID again. And now I'm still dealing with it and I am sick and damn tired of having COVID. So congratulations to me. Yeah. Boo to COVID, but yay to Tom and yay to the Fernellis. Uh Ryan from the cover three tailgate. If Tom doesn't give a Fernelli to the biggest dumper in their diaper to Danny, what are we doing here? <laughs> 
I'll give both of you the FBI's number so that you can have protection for you guys as well after those Florida State takes. It's true. The truth hurts, cowards. Um. So, cover three tailgate rocks and rolls with us. Cover three tailgate, y'all bring it. Bring it on Thursday. Bring it tomorrow because we're going to be opening up the big old bag of mail. We're going to be going back to y'all to have that conversation. And that includes in every single mailbag episode, sometime with the cover three tailgate, getting those questions in. You show up, you get them in early. We'll be able to, our eyes will catch it early. We'll be able to put them to the side, try to tackle them, get those early bird questions in. So come and hang out, youtube.com slash cover three. Reach out to us offline, but especially, especially, you leave us a five-star review, and in that review, you put your mailbag question. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. And that begins tomorrow, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on paramount plus head to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply